Hey now, and welcome to the city off campus with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Summerfeld and Jack McFarland. And we've got a special guest today. We've got former Iowa Hawkeye basketball player Cyrus Tate. How are things going for you today? Are you going smooth? Uh, just trying to get that workout in today. Uh, you know, staying busy. Yeah, that's very important with everything going on right now. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, with the coronavirus and stuff going on, it's been a uh, and crazy couple of months. So uh, just being able to get out and, you know, uh, get a different focus, uh, you know, get a lot of stress relief off, you know, going to the gym or being outside and just doing things is, uh, is always good. Yeah. So my first question for you is what was your journey to becoming an Iowa Hawkeye and how did you end up at Iowa and what was that experience and process to becoming a Hawkeye? Oh man, my, my journey was crazy. Um, you know, the funny thing about, uh, me playing basketball is uh, I didn't really start playing basketball until I was a sophomore in high school, you know, freshman, sophomore. Um, you know, during eighth grade, uh, I played, but I never played. I was on the team, but I never played. I was always at the end of the bench. Never got an opportunity. Uh, a lot of the guys that uh, were like the star players in eighth grade, you know, we got to high school and they became the guys that, you know, didn't play that much. But uh, at the same time, uh, I learned so much from it. Um, and I got to thank my uh, basketball coach, uh, Roy Condotti. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer in, uh, in Illinois. And uh, I remember him walking up to me and, you know, saying, you want to play basketball? And, you know, I didn't know anything. And I started out on a, the freshman B team and uh, kind of played A a little bit. But I only did it, it was only because I was tall. So, uh, I mean, coach really spent the off season working on me uh, a lot, uh, put me with the varsity guys. And, um, you know, they really – and they, they really put it to me, you know, and I, it helped me get really tough. Uh, you know, stayed in the weight room every single day, every morning. And, uh, you know, he threw me out there to the Wolves. You know, we used to go to Chicago to Olive Harvey College and uh, play, you know, all the uh, the games. And we played against big names during that time. We played against uh, Sean Dockery. We played against Will Bynum and uh, – a lot of a lot of the names is just a lot of big names during that time during that year. D Brown, Shannon Brown, you know, we going up. The, I'm going up against these guys as a sophomore, and we in the city circuit, and you know, we playing against a lot of big names. You know, Chicago was uh, really big during that time, and it helped our team mold ourselves into a, a great team. Uh, during my senior year, we went to the state championship, and uh, we played Sean Livingston before he went to the NBA, and uh, it was a crazy it was a crazy year. Um, we, we accomplished so many things and. You know, I had the opportunity to play with uh, Julian Wright. He was my teammate in high school. Uh, Excel Hardy, uh, Freddie Barnes. He led the nation in the receptions back in the day with Bowling Green. So we had a team full of athletes. And, you know, we held each other accountable. And uh, we just had a just a great group of guys. And uh, I'm, I'm, by far, I was probably one of the best teams I've ever been on. You know, we just – it just all clicked and all made sense. And I owe it to them guys to, to get me to the point of getting to Iowa. Uh, after the high school, I ended up uh, going to junior college. You know, obviously, I didn't have the grades at the time. And to be honest with you, um, I really didn't know what direction. I, I didn't know I was going to get a scholarship. I didn't know anything about this stuff. You know, I, my family, no one played college sports. I was the only person. So um, it was it was a, a huge blessing to be able to play uh, in the Big Ten. And you know, I grew up watching Big Ten basketball. So that's why. I kind of geared towards Big Ten and versus any other school. So, uh, you know, uh, I was able to go to junior college. I uh, went to 
Vincennes University in Indiana. Um, you know, that, that experience was different for me. It was my first year of college. So uh, it, uh, it was just a, it was a weird situation. I just really felt like I just didn't belong there. So uh, I stayed there for a semester and I transferred and I ended up going to uh, Northeast Community College in Norfolk, Nebraska. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Coach Anderson, Dan Anderson, he gave me an opportunity to just, uh, you know, focus and, uh, you know, be in a small town between Norfolk and Lincoln, Nebraska. There's nothing to do. It's nothing but farmland. <laughs> so, you know, I buckled down, focused on my academics, and uh, took that whole year. I was taking 20-plus hours a semester. Wow. And um, for, I, I took 20-plus hours semester, a semester for – Two, for those, those two years. So I really grinded it out so I can get three years of eligibility at Iowa. So, and I stayed there for the summer. I was the only person there for summer school. And it was, it was a crazy journey. Like I, I did a lot of sacrificing just to, to get to, you know, to Iowa. But um, during that time in junior college, I had a, a really good time. Uh, we had a great group of guys. We had a, a lot of D1 talent. We had a guy that was going to Minnesota. Guy was getting recruited by USC. We ended up going to, uh, Southern Miss and another guy that went to New Mexico. And, uh, you know, we had a good team. I think my first game playing in junior college, I had like 30. So it was a, it was a crazy experience. Um, coach just, you know, put the ball in my hand, gave me a lot of freedom. And uh, during that time, I think, I think I led the nation in JUCO and like field goal percentage. I was like top 10 in scoring, like top 10 in rebounding. And I think I was like, I want to say top 15 in the nation as a wow. player in the junior college. And I was able to get JUCO All-American, I think third team, second and third team, my first year playing JUCO. So, you know, I guess that, you know, made college coaches come in and uh, wanted to check me out. Um, you know, I remember the time when uh, Steve Offer came into the university, I mean, uh, the campus at uh, my junior college. And, you know, I had no idea who he was, you know. <laughs> And everybody's like, you know, and all about yeah. Steve Offer, like, oh, Steve Offer. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know him. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know who he was, but, you know, it seemed like, you know, Steve was a, a great guy. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to him, you know. He definitely, uh, you know, said, hey, you got an opportunity to play. And, you know, I, I was I was all for the challenge, up for the challenge. Um, and... You know, Greg Lanson also, you know, he, he recruited me really hard. I think he was the point guy with the, with the recruiting. And, you know, he just said, hey, Cyrus, you know, want to come here? And, you know, in my mind, um, I had other schools that was offering me. Uh, I could have went to Miami. I could have went to, uh, I want to say, I think I could have went to Purdue. I'm not sure. Uh, San Diego State, they offered me. Um, Oklahoma. And uh, I want to say uh, Pitt during the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Pitt had some NBA talent at that time, yeah, too. Yeah, they did. But you know what? It was crazy. Uh, my my whole idea of coming to Iowa, wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. For some reason, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but uh, I wanted to play in the Big Ten, and I wanted – at the time, I was I was wanted to go to Illinois. <laughs> and uh, I guess okay, the coach yeah. – made a statement and made a comment saying that uh I wasn't a Roger Powell, I wasn't athletic enough or something like that. And I was like, what? You know, and you know, they had a guy on the team that uh during high school, our high school time it was like my arch nemesis and <laughs> it was like a rival between each other, like uh me and a, a guy by the name of uh 
Sean Pruitt. And I don't know. I just had a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, you know what? You know, that, I, 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 I feel like uh, if I didn't belong there, I'm going to show them I belong there. So, you know, I decided to go to Iowa. I went to the campus for the first time. Uh, the, first, the first time I went there, I enjoyed it. I don't think I went on any other visits. You know, uh, when I went on my visit, uh, I think my host was uh, Tony Freeman, but it was really like Doug Thomas. And, uh, you know, I met him. Doug was a great guy. Um, and was able to, you know, go on campus, check out what's going on. You know, of course, they, you know, took me downtown. And I was just like, wow, I love this place. And <laughs> just fell in love with Iowa City. Uh, and uh, yeah. I don't regret my decision. Um, I just love the culture of Iowa. Um, you know, I know we had a rough season. You know, we're a couple of seasons, you know, we didn't get to the tournament and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I really wish that we could have did some better things. But, you know, we was calling it, we was calling it a, a, tra a transitional period, you know. Um, I first get there on, on campus my first year with Steve Alford, and, you know, next year he's gone, and Lance is gone. Lance is gone as soon as I get there, and then Alford is gone that year, you know. So, you know, you find yourself starting from scratch. Yeah, what was that moment like with the coaching transition, you know, with a guy like Alford who had um, experience as a Big Ten player and Big Ten coach to a very – different stint with another coach so what was that transition like in the middle of your college career when you expected kind of being there with one guy um during your time at Iowa um it was it was very difficult um you know I I committed to Steve Alford you know so you plan on uh you know I feel like anytime a player um commits to a college he's giving his he's giving his coach four years of himself and uh you know, you spend that first year of the coach getting to know you, actually who you are as a person. And then you spend those other years building up to that to the point where you get to your senior year where it's like, all right, I got ultimate trust in you. I molded you. Let's win. Let's, you know, you know what I expect. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, some programs, I, I put my head down to a lot of programs that uh, have new coaches coming in and they, they, they make some noise, you know, maybe because their, their team is cohesive or they got a good concept, you know. Um, it's a lot of times uh, when you get a new coach, you don't know which direction you want to go. You don't know who to follow. And it often gets difficult. So uh, it, was, it was very tough. Um, you know, when a new coach came in, he didn't know me. He, didn't, he never recruited me. So I have to prove myself worthy of getting some playing time and getting minutes. Uh, you know, I went from playing with Steve Offer, but at the same time, I was raw. I came in fresh from junior college, you know, people expect you to go from junior college and just play right away and be this superstar, but you have to be able to, you know, it's this trust factor with coaches, you know. Um, I knew I wasn't the go-to guy, you know. We had Adam Haluska, you know, we had Mike Henderson, we had guys that have a, have a you know, reputation and, and, you know, it's their time, you know. You got to follow their lead. And, um, and, you know, when you get a new coach coming in, it's, you know, do you follow the new guys lead or the guys that are there or, you know, who to keep, who, you know, who not to keep. And it was very tough. I think my first year with uh, Coach Wickwider was, uh, was an extremely difficult time for me. It was, it was a very down time for me. I felt like uh, in the beginning of the season, you know, I didn't get the time I felt like I deserved at the moment, at that moment. Or, you know, maybe, you know, I could have ran for my problems and transferred, or I could have did all these different things. Uh, you know, a lot of things were going through my mind, but uh, my mind. But at the same time, uh, you know, I talked to my family, my, my mom and stuff, and my dad, and you know, and 
and I was looking at my my journey. Um, I just realized that it was best for me not to run from my situation, my problem, but to face it and to uh, you know make the best of it. So you know, I just kept my head down, uh, you know, worked hard in practice, and just waited for my opportunity. Um, unfortunately, you know, my opportunity came when Jared went down, and it was, it was a terrible thing. And uh, you know, I hate that that happened to anybody. You know, Jared was a good player, and, and uh, you know, we needed him. You know, he's a great guy, and uh, never want anything like that to happen to anyone in order for you to get an opportunity. But you know, that happened, and then you know, and I, I took advantage of it. And uh, you know, after that, you know, coach looked at me different, I guess, at, at the time, and uh, you know, he trusted me more, gave me more opportunities. And then, you know, you just try to take advantage of it and just build on that. And um, and I think that's what I did, you know, coming into the, you know, around the junior year, you know, leading up to the senior year before I got injured. Yeah. And how did you, you know, in that tough period of figuring out your role, figuring out the relationship with the new coach, how did that eventually evolve into you becoming a captain for Iowa basketball and carrying a team where despite, you know, injuries and, you know, not getting the opportunities of, you know, going to the NCAA tournament and stuff and not being as talented as you hoped the team would be. How did you lead that team in those tough situations? And how did you find your role there? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, for my, for my times of uh, being in high school and being on a team, uh, on the good teams I was a part of, um, I was a leader, but I wasn't the vocal leader. You know, it was almost like lead by example, um, you know, I always, I always knew my role as a player is to, you know, do the dirty work, uh, you know, get into guys, uh, you know, you know, stop my, uh, my, my assignment, you know, and I take pride in uh, the defensive end. You know, that was always a uh, thing. My coach in high school always, uh, you know, preached to me is defense, defense. And that was, you know, when I first started playing basketball, that was the only thing he wanted me to do was defense. He didn't care about scoring, just guard. So, you know, uh, and, and it's also a Chicago thing, you know, we, very prideful and, you know, we like to lock in on guys and, you know, I just carry that over. I'm not going to lie, you know, I came in my junior year, you know, with a chip on my shoulder in some type of way, some type of way, because it's like, man, you know, I really wish Coach gave me this opportunity sooner and, you know, I really wish I could have, you know, got the development and all these other things and, you know, I, you know, but at the same time, and I'm thankful for Coach for for helping me because Coach Licklider really, you know, broke the, slowed the game down for me, you know, you know, it was, uh, everything was too fast. It was like, you know, it's very, um, mechanical in a way in the beginning. And now with Licklider, he, he's teaching me how to think the game and, you know, do this, do that, you know, what do you see first before you do something? And, uh, you know, a lot of people can say things a lot about, uh, Coach Licklider, but, you know, he knows his X's and O's like no other. He's, he's very, uh, meticulous about certain things. And he, uh, you know, he really taught me how to be a player, you know, an actual basketball player, actually knowing, understanding to be, you know, selfless, not thinking about yourself and thinking about the team and, you know, putting every, everybody else first before yourself, because if you do that, then you'll reap the benefits of it. So, um, you know, Junior, junior year, man, I definitely felt that spark, especially at the end. I said, you know, a senior year, you know, I had all these goals for myself. Like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, you know, my junior year, I was the third in the Big Ten in rebounding. You know, I mean, it was DJ White, you know, over there on that, you know, during that, during that year. And, you know, the big guys from uh, Michigan State. So, 
Um, I feel like we we had some some talent there. Like we had we had some players that you know that compete, but uh, we just couldn't get over that hump. I'm, I'm not sure what it was, but uh, I just know that you know in the beginning we were starting off really well. Uh, I think we had that that game with Kansas State where we won, and uh, and it was a surprise to everybody because you know Kansas State was supposed to beat us, and uh, we beat them in Vegas, and uh, I felt like things were kind of like rolling smooth for us. And then, you know, started Big Ten season, we had the big game against Minnesota and, you know, the ankle injury. And I'm like, man, you know, like it, it really, it really broke me. You know, I really, I really wanted to come back and play. It was so difficult. Um, you have no idea how, how painful that, that ankle injury was. Uh, I tried so hard to kind of come back and come back, but my ankle was not having it. It was, I think that was the, the worst injury I ever had in my life. With Iowa basketball, as a player, some of you know you brought up some games that were highlights, like the Kansas State game, but what are some of your favorite Big Ten memory memories and Big Ten play, like Big Ten games? And what's your favorite Iowa State memory going up against Iowa State? Uh, man, I just love – I love playing Michigan State. I love playing the hard teams for some reason. Like, I live for Big Ten season. Like, regular season was cool, but Big Ten season, it was like – it just separated the men from the boys, and I'm, I was all for it. So, you know, I, I definitely rose to the occasion, you know, for the big games. And I've seen games. the Michigan State dunks. Yeah, big names, stuff like that, like big teams. Like, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I, I want to – I just want to represent and just do everything I can and just kind of be the guy that shut whoever it is down. And, you know, I'm locked in. You know, I, I used to, before every game, I used to take a Red Bull and drink water and just sit there and just, you know, just have the jitters and just, you know, be ready. And then as soon as the game starts, I'm ready to go. And then, like, when that second win hits and if I, ca- if I catch it, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. It's like nothing can stop me. I feel invincible out there. Um also, uh, a good Iowa State game was uh, the one against uh, Craig Brackens at home. I think that was the game that, that that was that was a real good game. I enjoyed that game only because of the hype that was behind it. It just really drove me to like to unbelievable measures. Um, I just remember uh, the week week of the game. I think before we played them, we had a real big game, maybe against Kansas or something like that. I'm not sure. And, you know, I remember going to practice and the coach was like, yeah, you know, Cyrus, what you going to do with so-and-so? And he, uh, you know, he had this against so-and-so. And I'm like, man, I don't even know who this guy is. Like, I'm not paying attention to him. I'm not looking at ESPN. I'm not looking at the stats. I'm not looking at anything. So I don't know. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, all right, I guess he's a good player. And I just kept hearing his name all the time. Every time a, a, a reporter used to come to the arena, ask questions about this guy. Uh, every time uh, – somebody on my team or a coach, uh, you know, doing something in practice and they yelling at me about this guy. Like, oh, he's going to do this to you. He's going to do that to you. And I'm just like, I'm like going crazy. I'm like, I'm sick of hearing it. So, you know, when that happened, I was just like, all right, I'm not going to say anything else to anybody else. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to wait till the game comes. Game comes, like, I think that was the most, most focused I've ever been. Um, I just knew, like, I was like, all right. I gotta shut. I gotta shut everybody up because they think that this guy is gonna destroy me or something, or he's gonna have a career night against me. It just, it just drove me crazy. So, uh, you know, I made sure I went to bed early that night. I did everything I was supposed to do, <laughs> and uh, you know, tip off came, got the tip, and I was just locked in. And after that, it was just, 
I think I was a little bit more ready than he was that day. I don't think he was expecting what he was, you know, going to get from me. But, uh, man, I I think I had just a, a second level of energy that game. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning, you know, ended up shutting him down. And then, you know, we get to the get to the, um, the media room. And I'm like, okay, you're taking Craig Bracken's questions, you know. Because I was just so sick of hearing it. It was just It was just ridiculous. I just couldn't believe that, you know, he would just count you out like that. And I'm like, man, you know, I mean, I'm, I play in the Big Ten, too. You know, I play in the high level, too. And you know, I guard big names all the time, too. So, you know, why is this guy any different from anybody else? But uh, it was one of, it was a, a big moment. It was a memorable moment for me because uh, I think it really showed, uh, you know, the staff that, you know, they could trust me. And, you know, I could be the guy that, you know, can handle the big assignments because I was that guy in high school playing against – you know, Mike Hall and, you know, Sean Dockery, Shannon Brown. We played against those guys in high school on a consistent basis, you know. It's just, it's just, it was just unbelievable to, unbelievable to me that, you know, a lot of guys didn't give me a lot of credit for things that I, I, could, I could do, you know. But it's okay, you know. Was playing high school basketball in the city of Chicago tougher than Big Ten play for you, or was Big Ten play tougher than, you know, by the time you were a junior or senior when the game was more slowed down? It was kind of equal. You know, we were, uh, you know, it's funny, we were the suburban school. So, you know, home of Flossmoor is a school in the south suburbs. And, you know, the crazy thing about during that time in 2004, uh, 2003, 2004 year, is that I feel like the south suburbs was the best basketball you're going to catch in the whole state of Illinois, period. So, you know, sometimes we used to, uh, you know, our coach, you know, he was a former West coach at Western House on the west side of Chicago. And, um, you know, he used to take us down there and we'd play games and play against the city schools and they like, oh, you 708 guys. And, you know, I'm like, listen, we play, we, like most of the guys that's on our team, we from the city. So, you know, we, of course, went to school in the suburbs, we moved, but don't make it seem like since we're a suburb school, we're gonna we're gonna come to your place and you're just gonna just bully us. Like it, it just wasn't going down like that. So, you know, a lot of teams they used to have that uh perception in the beginning, and then when you just start beating them by like 40 points and 50 points, and then it was a they they start taking us a little bit more serious. So we used to go to the city a lot. Uh sometimes in our leisure time, our team used to go and uh play at this uh, park in the city called Cold Park. And it was like a big summer tournament, and uh, you know, like it was just crazy. It was like some uh, Rucker Park type stuff. But uh, our high school teams would come over there and we used to throw down with them. So you know, we wasn't afraid of a lot of teams. Um, you know, we just came with it. And uh, you know, we had Julian. You know, he's a special talent. He ended up, you know, being a top lottery pick in the NBA. He played at Kansas, and uh, you know, he was just a, a great teammate, a uh, great player for us. And uh, you know, he just. He's just a, a freak, you know, just a freak of nature. This guy has so much talent and, and did so many different things. But I think the thing that uh, separated us from everybody else was uh, our point guard excelled, man. His, his leadership was, uh, was through the roof. You know, I, I learned a lot from him uh, moving forward in my career and playing pro because, you know, he laid the foundation for what we wanted as a team. And, you know, he was everything for us. Would you say that shutting people up and asserting yourselves and your teams as the top dogs on the court would be what was what was driving you? Because I really feel like sitting sitting here and just listening for the past half hour, you have gone through like high school, 
junior college, college, everywhere that you've just been talked down upon and just not never given a chance. And you've always been that underdog just to fight for a, a say and just to be recognized for what you're doing. Is that what competitively drives you just to be that underdog and to prove everyone wrong? Oh, most definitely. I always, always have played the underdog role. Um, you know, I'm definitely a, definitely a rise to the challenge. Anytime a challenge come, uh, arises in, in any any level, anything, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm the most competitive guy. Uh, you know, if I, if I go on a date, I'm, I'm winning if he's he doing anything, you know. But uh, it's just it's just something that's just been it's just instilled in you, you know. You know how I grew up is uh, you know, very hard. You know, my dad, you know, great guy, but you know, if I wasn't you know waking up early in the morning to go cut the grass, I wasn't playing uh, the summer basketball games that we had and doing all these different things. So that kind of instilled a certain uh, drive in me and that competitiveness because I knew I got to do this, I got to do that in order to do this. So it seemed like a lot of things that uh, I have to do, like in practice or things that become hard, it's just, I feel like it never phased me because it's like, all right, you know, I got to do this. Even though I don't want to do it, I do it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, I think that by far is what has motivated me all the way through is uh, my drive and just wanting to prove people wrong because I know I'm, I'm capable, I know I'm able, and I ended up working. Now, did that drive to prove people wrong kind of drive you after your college career to go overseas and to play professionally internationally? Did you just want to keep proving to yourself and to others that I still belong in basketball? Yeah, um, you know, you know, you know, I feel like every every college player sometimes look at blogs and all these little crazy things, and people say off the wall stuff, ridiculous things. And you know, sometimes I someone may say something to me, or I may see something, and I'm just like, okay, you know, I had an opportunity to live uh, across the world and uh, play in different countries. Uh, I think I lived in about six, seven different countries. You know, in my in my playing career. Which ones? Which ones? Which countries? Uh, I lived in Japan. I've lived in uh, Turkey, I lived in Israel, I lived in Germany, I lived in Mexico, Argentina, uh, China for a second, Venezuela. I've been, I've been around, but uh, you know, I feel like, you know, every time I, I get in a situation or get on a team, I, I feel like I always do it the same thing. Everything's, it's like a revolving door, you know, same thing happens over and over again. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's perfect because it helps me find my motivation, you know, well, you know, whatever it is that I need to help drive me to, to keep continuing to do what I'm doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets about it. Um, I felt like, I think, I think I was the, the last standing of all the Hawkeyes uh, playing professional. I stopped playing last year. So I think I'm the last man standing uh, during, during my era of playing professionally. But, uh, I don't want to take any of it back. Uh, it's it's been some invaluable experiences. Um, you know, I, I I'm hoping to take my invaluable experiences and and transfer it to you know more of a corporate experience. But you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of dealing with that right now. So you know, wherever the ball lands, is, you know, that's where I'll go. What was your biggest challenge or struggle when you first went overseas, and what was kind of the adjustment period, or how did you learn how to be a pro? in different countries and kind of have to transition into different cultures, different cities, different types of fans. How did you kind of adjust throughout your career? 
Um, Japan uh, was my first team I played for, and um, I was in this city up north in uh, Hokkaido. It was extremely cold. It was snowing all day. Man. It was ridiculous snow up to here. So uh, I'm there by myself. You know, I don't know anything. I don't know the language. I remember uh, eating 7-Eleven almost that whole year because it was like right next door because I didn't know how to really cook and I didn't know how to be self-sufficient. I didn't know how to do any of these things. And uh, it was very tough for me mentally because, you know, you used to being around so many, you know, your friends, your family, and, you know, you got that 16-hour time difference. So you, you catch yourself up, staying up late because you want to see what's going on back home and, I'm in front of my laptop all day and the TV's off. I don't understand what's going on. And it was a, I feel like it was a very depressive state, you know. Um, you know, it's only two Americans on the team and the other American was with his wife and it was just me. So I told myself, I'm, I'm either going to sit here and be depressed, uh, wanting to go home, feeling homesick, or I'm going to embrace what where I'm at and explore so i just got out the house and started walking around and found different restaurants to go to different places end up being my favorite places to go to and uh you know just kind of just being being out being around you know my teammates they really hang out with me because we didn't speak the same language so you know we had team functions i'll go but you know i'm over there just just walking around trying to find something to do and i end up it ended up working out for me um, my first year was, it was really bad, but I think after that, I was able to get used to it, get acclimated to being in another country and, you know, saying, Hey, don't stay in the house because it's not good for you. I just got out and it, it worked. Uh, after that first year, um, where did I go? I think I went to the D league. I think I went to the training camp with the D league. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. You were picked by the Bakers, uh, the Bakersfield Jam in the fourth round in that um, NBA D League draft. What 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 was that like? Because it it says it shows. I I looked online. It shows that like two and a half weeks later, it it says that they waived you then, and I I was just confused with what what would even happen with that. You know what? I don't even know what happened with that. <laughs> it was a uh, it's like a revolving door there too as well. It's like uh, you go there. I went to training camp. Uh, it's funny how they do it, though. Like, they, they fly you in. They uh, send the bus to come get you. They take you all the way down to Bakersfield. And you're in training camp. And it's, like, nonstop every day. You know, you got practice, like, two times a day. You know, I went through the whole process. Like, I think I did pretty well. It was me and a couple other guys that I knew from back home. You know, we, we competed. You know, did really well. And... Uh, you know, people was leaving and coming in every single day. Even if a coach will say we have an off day, he'll, like, bring some guy in off the, off the plane and we got practice and we're doing drills. And I'm like, we're supposed to be off today. Like, it was it was crazy. But, um, you know, I managed, you know, some people left, you know, a couple of days after. Like, I managed to stay till the last cut, which which, which says a lot, you know. You know, maybe I could have got picked or selected. Um I think I did really well, but uh, I guess I wasn't good enough for They had some guys that uh, was affiliated with the Lakers during that time. I think uh, Drew Namick was on that team with me. So I was going up against him a lot, and 
you know, maybe, you know, you had a little bit more upside than me at the time, but, you know, I still think I should have been the guy, but it's okay. Uh, you know, the, the coach brought me into his office, you know, told me that, you know, they move in a different direction and, you know, thank you, thank me for, thank me for everything for my time. But I just felt like the timing was off for me to kind of go to a different team than D-League because he waited to like the last day to waive me. So I couldn't go to another team because other teams had their rosters already put together. So, you know, I just took the took the L and just took myself overseas. It was no problem. But uh, I just wanted to give myself the opportunity to be in front of uh, getting get, get on that stage. You know, I think that was uh, my biggest thing. Uh, rehabbing after uh, after college, you know, uh, I left and went straight to California. I signed with uh, Bill Duffy and, you know, I was training with, you know, the best players. You know, I was working out with Brandon Jennings and Darren Collison and Hashim Tabit was with us. Um, and a lot of NBA guys would come in. Earl Watson had the opportunity to, to play at the men's gym with Katino Mobley. And we, like, ran the court that day. It was, like, a, it was a great moment because we went in the gym and Katino was looking at us. He was like, man, we about to lose. And we ended up playing, like, real good basketball and, you know, we ran the court that day, like, we was, we was the guys, you know, Ryan Hollins and, you know, just all those people. Jalen Rose, he was, he was okay. playing with us during that time. So, it was it was a dope experience just being around all those guys. You know, my agent brought me around, like, uh, a lot of those players. And you know, I had an opportunity to go to Baron Davis' house. And, you know, we had, like, a barbecue. And I, I met Jessica Alba. And she made, she made me, like, she made me a plate of food. And I was, like, in shock, like, oh, my God, it's Jessica Alba. She made me some food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a it was a dope experience going to LA, being in California. But uh, you know, I learned a lot from uh the training staff that we had there. We had uh Dave Miller, I think he was a he's an ESPN commentator. Yeah. Uh now he was like the guy training us. And um man, it was it was rough too doing that, you know. You know, I, I don't understand. Sometimes people, you know, they read you wrong. You know, I'm, I'm I wanna come in, I wanna work, I wanna I wanna be the best, you know. And uh you know, maybe my demeanor at that time looked different or it came off, gave him a different uh, vibe. But it took him some time for, for me to kind of grow on him. And we grew on each other. And Dave, you know, I respect that guy. He's a, he's a great guy. You know, he, he helped me uh, turn on my intensity. And him and uh, Tom Bechet, like those people, they really, like, took it up another a notch for me. I feel like I was in the best shape of my life uh, being in California we had to do some really crazy stuff. It was unbelievable. One thing I wanted to circle back to with your Iowa career, and you've talked a lot about work ethic and even just now about how you've how you evolved as a player over time. Um, what was it like for you to get the Chris Street Award at Iowa? Um, it was dope. Uh, I knew what, you know, Chris Street meant to Iowa and uh, Iowa basketball. And uh, it's, it's an extreme honor to have that uh, award. And, um, I just think that uh, Coach, you know, at the time, Coach saw something in me that, you know, represented something that represented Chris Street. And, um, you know, it was an honor to have that. And I don't know, I just felt like, you know, I was turning that corner during that time. You know, you got a low moment, you have a high moment, and then coming to the next season, you just turn the corner. And, man, the ankle injury, man, I, I'll never forget it. It's like a 
like a defining moment, everything. Um, I feel like we could have did so many good things, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a huge honor uh, having Chris Street Award. I wish I was able to meet uh, his father. I wish I was able to. I, I never got the opportunity. I think I did uh, when I graduated from college. I think I met him, but um, yeah, it was a it was a great thing to have. You know, that being an Iowa tradition, what are some of your other favorite traditions at Iowa, either as a basketball player or just in general? Traditions. Uh, well, I feel like uh, I, I was on the Iowa campus a couple of weeks ago, and I feel like all the traditions that was there are completely gone. So uh, I hate to say that, but. Uh, well, like what? Like what is what is missing that you that you experienced while you were well, you were a student that we aren't experiencing now. Like what? Uh, I'll tell you what I was missing, and you need to bring right. that immediately. And it's Baldies, okay? That's like the best rap I've ever had. I don't know why they got rid of it. It's shorts now, right? Yeah. The yeah. Burger Bar. Yeah. Baldies, they need to bring that place back. Um, I just like the the food places at Iowa. Um, you know, we used, to, we used to have a training table, and, you know, John Street, our trainer, he used to like, you know, let us go to all these different restaurants, and it was amazing. I just love that. Uh, Baldies for sure. What What are some of your favorite spots that are still there? The Union Bar is, and if that's one of your favorite, they just closed that last year. What, what Which one? The Union Bar. You know Union? Hey, who told you the Union Bar is my favorite place? <laughs> <laughs> no one, but I'm just saying they closed it down, so that's the bad news if it is. Um, yeah, the Union, uh, a lot, a lot of memories, a lot of history in the Union. Um, yeah, Union was nice, but hey, you know, Iowa City is evolving. Uh, Iowa City doesn't want to be the party school. Oh, God. <laughs> it's turning into a, a, a watered down Des Moines right now. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to put it, actually. Yeah, but uh, hey, you know, the campus looks beautiful. Uh, I was there actually a couple weeks ago, and never in my life have I seen a a club or a bar with bottle service, you know, I'm like, this is college. Why we got bottle service? It don't even make sense to me. Who's buying bottles in college? We wasn't doing that, you know. We getting a little, you know, 50 cent beers on Tuesday, uh, you know, going to <laughs> Summit, getting a $2 you call it. Now we getting bottle service? Like, that is the craziest thing to me. Like, that's just taking away the whole college experience. But, hey, it's, hey, times have changed. You know, I have to embrace the change, I guess, so. You know, I'm changing my uh, my drink habits now. I, you know, sip on wine and uh, drink a glass or two and, and go to bed and watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have the energy I used to anymore. But uh, yeah, Iowa City brings out the best to you, especially when you're out on the town past 12 o'clock. I'd say. Yeah, but I, I missed the actually I missed the grilled cheese. They had the grilled cheese there in the, in the pit. Marcos. They actually just opened a restaurant for Marcos. Oh really? Yeah. They. So, because it's so good now. They they opened one up by uh, by Paglia is in like Hamburg and around there. You know the best thing at, at midnight was uh, Falbos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I used, walk, I used to walk all the way from the pet from the pet mall all the way down to Falbos over there on the corner. Leave out with a big whole pizza and regret it the next day because I ate all of it and I'm feeling sick. But, Do you like Falbos more than like? Gumby's or airliner or Fabos. Fabos is amazing. I don't know if you just didn't give anything else a try. Fabos pizza was amazing. <laughs> it had a great taste. It was perfect. So I'm taking Fabos and uh what else? Uh man, what's the name of that place? Hamburg. Is it Hamburg in? Yeah. yeah. Hamburg yeah. In. 
Yeah, hamburgers. Yeah. That place. That was yeah. good. And, it's a staple. Uh, yeah, hamburgers are staple. Thank God they didn't get rid of that. But uh, man, it was one more. Get oh, I gotta uh, give a special shout out to the wig and pin. Like, I love the 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 wings and the and the fries and cheese. I can't eat it anymore, but uh, sometimes I just want to like take a couple bites of that and you know pass to the side. Uh, every time I go into Iowa City. I make sure I go to the Wigan Pen, um, Hamburg Inn, and uh, uh, Falbo's, and um, that's it. <laughs> Everything else is kind of cool. I like the Grays. I go there sometimes, but when I was there last, they wasn't open, and now it's just a whole bunch of new restaurants I've never been to before. So Yeah, they've been... We've even the few years we've been on campus, we've seen lots of change between the restaurants and all those places. Terrible. Oh, the Atlas. I forgot the Atlas is gone now, right? Yeah, I don't know. You're asking the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Iowa City was a a great experience. Um, Just uh, my teammates, uh, great group of guys, and just the people I met outside of uh, being a basketball player. Um, I still have those friendships to this day. Um, it's just uh, it's just crazy how, you know, you know, it's, it's been over 10 years. And it's, it just comes, it makes me think how old I am right now. Just about to be 35 in like, like a week or two. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just uh, happy to just uh, came across a lot of those guys, a lot of those people. Um, you know, one of my closest friends, uh, Jeff Peterson. You know, as you know, he's the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets now, and assistant GM. So you know, just to see him evolve and wait, you know, where he's at. Uh, you know, we still stay in touch. Um, it's just, it's just amazing what all the great things everyone's doing. So uh, now I feel like I'm the the kid coming fresh out of college. Looking for that job now, so <laughs> I guess I have my fun and my vacation. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm digging in and you know, keeping my options open, just trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I want to live in Chicago. I'm kind of, kind of trying to move probably West Coast. You know, I'm kind of intrigued by the, the good weather. I can't do a I can't do a cold Chicago <laughs> winter anymore. It's just it's not appealing to me. I feel like every time I've been overseas. The weather's been cool. It's been all right, but it's not been ridiculously cold. So this year has been like, I'm like going through it right now. I just can't wait to leave. So uh, that's kind of like my my mindset right now is to kind of get out of Chicago and you know start a new journey somewhere else. Yeah. What has retirement like been? And do you miss playing, or are you kind of you played enough where you're just kind of done with it and ready for the next chapter? Kind of, how has the last year been? You know, to be honest with you, uh, I go to the gym every day. But as far as basketball, I haven't played basketball since I stopped playing basketball. Like the moment I got off the court, the last game, took the shoes, threw it in the trash, and I haven't picked up the basketball since. So you threw your shoes in the trash? Yeah, I was done. I took my insoles out. You know, I need those, but. Uh, Basketball shoes are gone. Like I just, I just knew that. Uh, I think this year, this last year, I knew that I didn't want to do it anymore. When you get tired of like running suicide and doing all this crazy stuff, you just know it's 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 over with for you. So 
I gave my actually I gave my is my basically my second retirement. Um, I was hurt. I got hurt probably like in 2015, I think, and um, I tore my meniscus, and it was just a crazy situation. Me too, man. I've done it. I know the feelings. Oh, how how I tore the meniscus was weird because I was playing for a team, and I remember when it happened. I was playing for a team, and I was in practice, and I did some type of move and jerk or something, and. I heard like a pop or something like that. And I was like, yo, my knee hurt. And then my knee swelled up for a while. I rested. I rested it. I was doing the resting, did the rehab. And um, I didn't play for a little while. And then it got better. And then I started playing. I finished that season. Then I went and played for another team. And uh, I was playing with uh, this team in, in Japan, Fukuoka. I was playing for uh, Kobe Bryant's dad during that time. I mean, I was, you know, I, it felt kind of weird, but at the same time, as the season ended, it, it was wearing, I was wearing on it too much, and it got to the point where I couldn't do nothing. So I was stuck, and then uh, I ended up playing on another team the following season in the same league. So when I talked to the team, uh, I was playing with Kobe Bryant's dad. The team told me that, you know, Cyrus, you know, you're fine. You need to get rest. Nothing's wrong. You did the x-rays, this, that, and the third. I'm like, okay, cool. So I did rehab at home. Went overseas, played with a new, on this new team in the same league as the team I played for. So I went through all the physicals and the stuff like that to get cleared. Um, and then, like, probably, like, two weeks later, the team that I used to play for called the new team and told them, like, yeah, his knee's messed up. I'm like, what? So like, are you serious? So I'm like already a month and a half, two months in on this team. And they uh they called me back in the office, set up a doctor's appointment, and they did an assessment. They was like, his knee's messed up. So the trainer looks me dead in my face and says, Cyrus, hate to tell you this, but you need knee reconstruction. And I'm like, knee reconstruction? I'm like, are you serious? So I'm like going crazy. I'm like, yo, my career is like over with. Like I'm damaged goods. So when that happened, word got around all over Japan. It kind of like ruined my stock. It just, it just plummeted. And I'm like, this, this is crazy. So the team's upset with me because they said I lied to them and I didn't. The doctors told me. And they they like took my whole month's pay. Like they gave me like like a thousand bucks was like, get out of here. Give me a flight home. And I'm like, y'all owe me my salary. Like what happened? And just like there's nothing I can do about it. It's like, you lied to us. This is what you get, basically. So I go home, and I'm just, like, stuck. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I'm just – I feel like my life just turned upside down. You know, I got all these things I'm doing. Uh, I, I, I live in Atlanta. You know, I had all these different plans in, in, in place. Everything was there, and it was just gone in an instant. So I'm trying to ramble, rush to figure it out. So uh, I reached out to a buddy. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to get a job. You know, reaching out to this, 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 that, and the third. Disconnect, that connect. And I end up actually coming back to Iowa in Cedar Rapids. I got a job in uh, insurance at New York Life. That was rough. So I'm like packed up my bags, went to my buddy's crib, stayed on his couch for a couple months, working in Cedar Rapids. And... It was it was definitely an experience for me. So uh, when that happened, I knew that that job wasn't gonna work out for me because it was just it was just strange. It was commission only. 
I'm over here with all these other bills and stuff going on. I'm like, I can't do this right now. I need to, I need to work. I need to make money. So uh, I had uh, left the job. Uh, I went to Chicago, and I ended up uh, just working at my old high school, uh, just trying to, you know, figure out what I'm gonna do. I went end up going to a doctor, and he told me I had a meniscus tear. And I'm like, Are you serious? And I was like, So the I felt like my uh, my chest. I, I feel it was, it was like a sign of relief that I just had a meniscus tear. And the doctor told me that, hey, you be out for eight weeks. And I said, fine, let's get the surgery. So I got the surgery. And uh, all I did that for that whole year, probably a year and a half, was work. Um, I had these kids I kind of trained a little bit. And then I, I trained myself and uh, rehabbed my whole self. I re rehabbed myself. So I did it from 7 in the morning. I went to work. And then I was done at like 8, 9 o'clock at night with all my stuff. And I did it for a whole year just to get back to playing basketball. So I got an opportunity to go to Japan, go back to Japan on like some third league team, and they gave me the worst contract ever. But I was like, hey, I gotta take a bet on myself. You know, I always gotta bet on myself. So you know, I signed the contract, but I put like an out clause in the contract. So I was like, hey, y'all got y'all not gonna just have me locked into this contract. So I put the out clause in the contract, and uh, in the contract it said, if you're hurt, if you get any type of injury, you're flying yourself home. Like, we're not paying for you to go home. I'm like, dang, really? Wow. I, I had no faith in me at all. It was ridiculous how how cutthroat the business, the basketball business is. Like, it looks so good on the on the outside and on the inside. It's, it's a dirty game. And uh, just to be able to play 10 years of that, man, it's, just, it's ridiculous. But that happened and um, uh, took care of all that. And uh, I played one game, I think two games. And then after the second game, another team reached out to me and gave me a better contract. And I took it. And the team I played for was so mad. They were so pissed off at me about it. And it kind of gave me like a bad reputation in Japan. But at the same time, I'm like, listen, you guys gave me a bad contract. So why, why wouldn't I accept a better contract from a team that's willing to uh, invest in me or, you know, take a, you know, take a risk with working with me? So, you know, I got that opportunity. Uh, I took advantage of it, and then I was fortunate enough to go play in Mexico again. And then I got, I was able to get two years to play in Germany. And so I was extremely fortunate to have an opportunity to go back to playing like that because usually, when you stop playing for a year and a half, two, you're done. So, I was able to squeeze four out, four years out, and I'm extremely happy. And uh, I wash my hands with everything. Like, uh, I got all my competitive demons out, so I'm ready to be a normal guy now. Yeah, so it was basically closure for your career, that last four-year stretch kind of just was – you were able to kind of redeem, kind of go out on your own terms. Yeah, it bothered me because I feel like I wasn't able to leave on my own terms. Someone else dictated me leaving, and I just couldn't allow that. So I was happy to get that, that last four. So it, it worked. What's the biggest difference between U.S. basketball fans and fans overseas, whether it's Europe, Asia, Mexico even? What's been, like, the biggest difference you've seen across outside the U.S. and in the U.S.? And the biggest similarity um, even? U.S. – I mean, each country, each country is different. I feel like Asia is a whole lot more relaxed than Europe. Like, Asia – I mean, they uh, love you if you got pink shoelaces in your shoestrings or, you know, something, something ridiculous, you know, or they, they're cheering for both teams. They're not cheering for just one team. <laughs> so, 
you know, in Asia, they, they're very uh, kind, uh, love giving gifts. So you play a game and you'll come back in the locker room with a bag full of gifts and all types of all types of things. If they really like you, you have a favorite food, they want to know your favorite food is, they bring it to you every time. Like, you know, it, it was it was dope. I, I feel like in, in Asia, um, my first year, I don't think Asia was for me because I was missing that, that air, you know, that, that drive. And I wasn't getting that every game. It was barely a lot of people. It was barely anybody at the games. And everyone was extremely nice and courteous. I feel like Asia was a league you go to if uh, you got a family, you got kids. You know, you want to go to practice and take it easy. Um, I experienced that in the beginning of my career and not the end of my career. So, you know, I'm spending the end, end of my career doing three days and all this <laughs> other crazy stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't take it, you know. So, uh yeah, I, I wish I would had to. I wish it was flipped around the other direction, but uh, I mean, it was dope. But uh, Asia, it was definitely nice. Um, Europe, when I played in uh, when I played in Europe, it's it's crazy. Like they they know everything about you, especially with you live, you live in that city. If you uh, you go out and you got a game the next day, your coach is going to know about it. <laughs> if you uh, you know, like it's like towns fighting against each other. It's like if the referee do something wrong, they on him. The referee, I've seen ref, referees getting ran out of the gyms. I've seen. Uh, What's the worst thing you've seen mid game? Uh, Mexico. We was in the this cartel city it was in Cuyucan. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> no, no, no. We wasn't in Cuyucan. I take that back. We was in the Gallus. So by the arrows on the border, some some border country, some border city. So we uh, we play this team it's like a playoff game. It's rivals. So you know you don't know who's who at at this game. And we're like the we like the Detroit Pistons in in Mexico. You know the the bad boys. You know we like killing everybody. We got like a bad reputation, but we just destroying everybody. So you know we we took on that persona because it worked for us. And everybody hated us, but everyone loved to see us play. Because we were entertaining. So we go to this, this game in the playoffs, and uh, I think a fan got mad about something. And our coach was – he didn't help the situation either because he was a Mexican guy. He played on the national team. And, you know, he's telling us, like, yeah, they fight, we fight. You know, like, okay. <laughs> so one game, this guy had a, a beer. So, you know, he drink alcohol in there. He, like, threw it on one of the players, like, like poured it on his head. We was coming to the locker room. He got so mad. He goes in the locker room. It's like a big, huge ladder. Goes out, take the ladder, throws it in the stands. So when that happened, all hell breaks loose. All sides kind of like come and kind of go, go after us. So we got to run to the locker room. And before you know it, the federalities are coming into the gym. They come into our locker room. And we had to like get like a covered escort to our bus to get on the bus. Then we get to the hotel room. And then the police has to sit in front of our hotel room the whole night. And I'm like, I don't understand why, but now I understand why, because we didn't know who was who in the, in the, in the stands. It could have been some big name cartel person. It could have been anything. So that was a scary moment, but crazy moment. And So you guys had the Malice in the Palace Mexico edition go down. Yeah, it, was, it was really bad. It was real, real bad. <laughs> Yeah, I seen some crazy stuff. Uh, Dad and uh, we had a guy who uh, he was really good, but he had like a crazy temper problem, and I, I forgot what the guy did, and he just like 
grabbed him by the neck, choked him, and started punching him in the face. And like, what are you doing? We in the playoffs. We need you. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was wild, man. I think Mexico was like the craziest, craziest basketball experience. But I had so much fun there. Like I loved it. Um, I played in Tijuana. I missed it. I missed it. It was a good time there. It's really what, cool. What was it? What was it like playing for the um, Iowa United during the the basketball tournament? What was that like? First of all, Compa- <laughs> comparing you know, that to you Mexico, know what's funny. I didn't really want to play. Why not? Why not? You know what? TBT is fine and all, but I feel like I'm too old for that personally. <laughs> uh, I think that's a it's a young man's game. You know, or one of those guys is just a gamer. Like I don't think I was. I was in that. I wasn't in that mind frame at the time. It's just something to do to kind of be around the guys, be around the players and stuff. And um, you know, Horner gave me a call, asked me if I wanted to come. Like I knew what it was. You know, he just needed some extra bodies, so I wasn't expecting to be a, a main guy or whatnot. But you know, I'm glad I was doing uh doing that things. Trust that the Iowa United team. And I'd definitely be a fan from the stands when it comes to that moving forward. But, uh, you know, it seems like Iowa, right, the state of Iowa and Iowa basketball right now is in a good place. You know, you got so many good players. I remember being overseas. I enjoy watching uh, Aaron White. Uh, I like that kid. Oh, he's good. He was awesome, Aaron White. Yeah. I, I like grew that up watching White. that guy. And, uh, and, uh, and Devin, you know, watching those guys just play and compete, it was it was fun to watch them. You know, just like Aaron, he's he was born to, to be a Euroleague guy. Like, yeah. I just I don't know, like I don't know the kid, but I just enjoy watching him play. Um, what are your thoughts? Greens, oh. the way he I, runs the floor is ridiculous. I mean, Jesus, I wish I had that lung power. Get up. What are your thoughts on the current Iowa teams right now? With um, Luca and Wee's camp and Jordan Bohannon, what's kind of your thoughts of the Fran coach teams and the makeup and the potential? Um, actually, is my, you know, I really haven't really followed Iowa basketball, but uh, actually, I met Garland once one time when uh, I was on campus. He's a very tall guy, man, tall kid. He's good though, you know, watching him play just. His motor, he got a good, really good motor. Um, I like his uh, fundamentals. Um, just from looking at social media and stuff like that, it seemed like his dad is like very hands-on about you know his plan and what he does. Yeah. And um, you know, I wish him all the best moving forward. I think he'll be a, a great asset to any team. Um, you know, right now with the state of basketball, uh, it could be a little difficult. I think maybe for him, but. Because you know his height, and you know you looking at you looking at the the way basketball is being played now, oh. is it's extremely different from his his his, his game physique, his his physique. But he puts up the numbers, so the numbers don't lie. So yeah. he should get that opportunity. But I feel like the way the direction of basketball is going, it might put him at a slight disadvantage. And yeah. uh, I really hope that uh someone gives him a shot. He deserves it. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of small ball. I feel like the big man is starting to be ex- extinct now, you know. I feel like now with a big man uh, playing, want to play at the next level in professional sports, he has to be extremely athletic, 
uh, some form of shot blocker. Um, you're not doing any back of the basket stuff, back to the basket stuff. And you got to be able to extend the floor because, you know, teams, they want spacing now. They care about that more than anything, uh, spreading the floor, spacing out the floor, and big shooting threes. So now, you know, if they NBA decides to implement a four point, a four pointer, you have <laughs> six foot 11, seven foot guys shooting four pointers, which is ridiculous. It's taking away the integrity of the game. Um, but at the same time, uh, we have to fall in line with the, the changes. You know, um, you know, you got to thank Golden State for doing all this for us. Yeah. The basketball, the, the Draymond Green ball and shooting threes and playing small ball. But it's uh, it's different. And, uh, and I'm watching basketball a lot different. But in Europe, they don't play that way. That's they what play, I was going to ask you. Play very different. So, I mean – I mean, Luca. I know. I understand. He probably want that opportunity to play in the NBA. You know, anybody wants that, and I mean, definitely take it if it's available. But you know, gotta keep in mind, overseas is great too. Euro League is great too. You know, now you're gonna be practicing a lot, but it's a great experience to, just to be around all that stuff, man. All those people in uh, that environment is. It's like it reminds you of Iowa, being in, on campus at Iowa. Everyone, the fans is going crazy for you. You walk the streets. Oh my God! Oh my God! You know. It's like that in Europe. So, you know, you got an opportunity to kind of have another another college life in Europe. So, you know, just keep all the options open. That's probably one, probably the best advice I'd probably give him, you know, if I was, you know, next time telling him something. And uh, don't don't shun the opportunity to go international. It's, it's not a bad place to go. Yeah. Speaking of advice, my final <laughs> question for you was going to be, um, what is advice you would give to future Hawkeyes? Be good to everyone you come across because you never know the type of person. You never know who you're running to. You never know who you meet. You never know who you come across. Um, you know, have good character, great character, great, and have integrity about everything you do. Um, you know, don't be that, 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 that college athlete that's, you know, walking around campus being the biggest jerk. Don't be that person. Um, that's probably the one thing that uh, I'm happy about in my uh, in my time in Iowa because I felt like I was just open. Um, you, know, you know, you come across a lot of people and they want to they probably want to get your attention or say this and say that. But you know, being standoffish and stuff like that it just it just was it didn't sit well with me. You know, I was very open with everybody and hey man, what's up? You want a drink or you know, we you going here, you going there. Oh, you know, you send me a message. Hey, your girlfriend want a ticket for Valentine's Day to the game? Sure, I got some extra ones here. Take it. It's no problem. And you know, what's funny is that those same people that I did that for, not thinking about anything, not wanting anything, those same people, I'm still cool with and still have a relationship to this day. Moving ten years, you know, ten years removed, even more down the line, I still have a relationship with. And, you know, these guys are helping me, you know, kind of navigate, you know, on my next step in life. Now, just imagine if I could have been the person that was disrespectful to them or been this type of person to them. You know, they look at me and be like, oh, he's a terrible guy. So uh, just maintain, you know, your character, integrity and, uh, you know, uh, a certain way about yourself, even though, you know, I feel like things may not be happening fast for you or right away for you. You know, people are always thinking of you and uh, keeping you in mind always. So 
They'll just be a stand-up dude. That's what they got to say, future Hawkeyes. Yeah. Jack, do you have any final questions? No, I think we covered all the bases, yeah. man. We hit on everything. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show, and we had a great time interviewing you, and you're welcome anytime. You know, um, the younger Hawkeye generation that's going to be listening and watching this podcast is going to love the stories you told and love to hear about Iowa, you know, of 10 years ago and I and your career, you know, as a Hawkeye and as a professional basketball player that represented Iowa. So we really appreciate it. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, go Hawks. Yeah. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Jack, do you want to close the show out? All right, guys. We will have this episode up. By the time you just check social media, you'll know. Uh, definitely not the same time because it always fluctuates, but same place, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find everything there. Uh, not same time, same place. We will see you guys later.